The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou I'll 
Super honored to be up here again, uh, and I'm 
lot less nervous. Uh, I don't have a joke for you this time. I've got a fun fact for you guys. Um, so there are more planes in the ocean than there are submarines in the air. So, fun fact. So, if you ever need a fact, just right off the top of your head. Um, so, in this time, um, when we come to God for communion, um, we're all bringing things before God. And 1 Corinthians 11:28 says to examine ourselves. And so, um, I have kind of a, a different piece of scripture to to read uh, for you guys this morning. And it's in Genesis 4, um, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. And I'm just going to bring, uh, read uh, five verses for you, um, verses 3 through 7 in Genesis 4. It says, At the designated time, Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground for an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought some of the firstborn of his flock, even the fattest of them. And the Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering. But with Cain and his offering, he was not pleased. So Cain became very angry, and his expression was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your expression downcast? Is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. See, Abel holds nothing back before God. Cain keeps something from God. He keeps his best from God. It might be because of fear or doubt. A lot of times we think this is um, just an offering type of message. But um, I want to challenge you that it's it's might be because like we're holding something back from God when we come to communion. We're asked to examine ourselves. And so I want you to examine yourselves during this time. Maybe you're keeping gifts from him when you come to him, uh, you know, just in your life. When we, when we come to him th- this time, we might keep gifts from him. We might keep praise. Like, God, like Don said uh, last week, we might keep money. We might keep our prayers from him. We might not pray to him. Uh, we might keep something in prayer. We might keep our family and relationships we might not give those t- things to him uh, throughout the week. We might keep our work from him. Uh, so during this time, uh, you might go to him and uh, and just give it all to him. So when approaching him, keep nothing back. Give it all. Give your best. And, uh, and let's just take this time to get really close and give everything to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, that we can come to you during this time and just commune with you, Lord. Uh, We hold nothing back in this moment. We give it all to you, like Abel, Lord. We know that it's pleasing to come to you uh, completely surrendered, Lord. And we just thank you that we can be like that with you. Lord, we're, we're all yours. We just love you, we praise you, and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Bustle Magazine came out with 10 ways to make your home more comfortable. Here are some of the top five. Number one, start with the entryway. Spend extra time and money decorating it. Okay. Number two, add layers of blankets and pillows. That is a statement no guy has ever made. All right. You know what this house needs, honey? A bunch more pillows and blankets. Nope, nope, we never said that. Number three, make seating accessible and inviting. Problem. What if I don't want you there? It's about making my home cozy. Maybe I don't want you. Maybe I want all the seats blocked off so you can't be there. Number four, showcase amazing smells. I have three kids, two cats, and a dog. We have some amazing smells. I don't know that they need to be showcased, all right? Number five, pick an inviting color scheme. There's lots of other suggestions. And you can find 
dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands of these articles online on how to make your home uh, prettier and more welcoming from every uh, real estate agent to every construction. They have something like this, but all of them have one thing in common. Comfort is king. Make it comfortable. Make it everything you want. By way of contrast, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a teacher, was a a teacher in, in Germany in 1939. And he actually led a group to come up in arms against Hitler, his own leader. He said, this is wrong. This guy is ungodly. Hitler put a contract out on him. And he ran, uh, his friends smuggled him out of the country. They got him on a boat, sent him to America. He was going to teach here. And he was here. They got him all the way to Chicago. He was in the U.S. for a grand total of 26 days. And he said, God is calling me to go back to Germany. I'm, I'm being called to go back and lead this fight. And it's where he said this statement. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And that's exactly what he did. He went back to Germany. He fought against Hitler. He ended up dying just a few weeks before Hitler did. See, that's not popular, but it's real. His idea was not about comfort. His idea was, i got to do the right thing, no matter if it's comfortable or not. We're in this series called Identity Theft. And we've been saying knowing who we are will guide what we do. And I'm afraid one of the greatest thefts that is being put upon people may be on the church. Our enemy is trying to get us to to focus on comfort, not on the Christ. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8. Now this passage is very familiar. We've looked at it before. You've looked at it a bunch of times. It actually throws up, it shows up in Scripture three times. In Matthew 16, in Luke 9, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and here in Mark chapter 8. There's similar layouts. Uh, they <clears throat> all three follow miracles. All three are right before the transfiguration. But I want you to see this statement in context. So everybody lift up your Bibles, lift them up. We are a Bible-believing church and a Bible-using church. So bring your Bible. If you don't have one, we'll get you one. If you're joining us online, Mark chapter 8. We're glad you're with us at Central Christian Church. I'm picking up in verse 27. <clears throat> Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, you're one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Peter replied, you're the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about them. Verse 31, Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus pulls his guys together and they head up to a place called Caesarea Philippi and he asks this question, who do you think I am? It's one of the most poignant questions of all time, but we need to get it in context. That part Caesarea Philippi is really important. Caesarea, Caesarea, Caesar Philippi. It was a Roman city up in the north. And it wasn't just any Roman city. It was a Roman city where... There were gods of all kinds. There were all kinds of sin and debauchery. This was the original sin city. Uh, Think 
Vegas when the when the conventions come to town. Think think Bourbon Street on Mardi Gras. That's what this place was. Bad. Bad people around, bad things going on, bad uh, influences all around. And he says, who do you think I am? He's pushing the guys to take a stand. He's doing the same thing to us. You see, if we look at Jesus and say, well, he's a good teacher, then you're likely to treat him as an equal to Oprah or Dr. Phil. Because he's one of many influences in this self-care culture where we we have 4,000 self-help books that come out every year. If we treat him as a religious figure, he's, he's liable to be equal to Muhammad or Joseph Smith or Confucius. But you see, if he's Messiah, that will radically affect every part of our life. In view of what is around you guys, in view of all of these other choices, who do you think I am? It's Peter that pipes up and says, you're the Messiah. You are not just anybody. You're the Messiah. He picked a side. You're the promised deliverer. How great thou art. Open the gates and let your glory come down. You are it. Now, you and I can make that declaration pretty easy. But in a study I've been sharing with you from the, from the Barna Group in 2019, 95% of Americans believe that Jesus is a real person. But only 48% believe He's actually God. And less than 25% say he's just a good guy equal to Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha or one of the others. See, Peter looks him in the eye and he declares it. You're not just a God among these. You're the big G God. You're important. You're the Messiah. Okay, you're sitting there. Okay, well, Don, what does this matter? Why does this matter to identity? Our enemy is trying to get us to forget that. He's trying to get our aim on anything but that. The aim of your life is important. The aim of the church is important. The aim of our life is not to be a good American citizen. The aim of our life is not to be he who dies with the most toys wins, you know, with a fully funded 401k. It's not even to be a better version of yourself. Just work hard and be the best you you can be. It's not even to be good church folk people. According to Galatians 2 and verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. Yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying, I don't even exist anymore. It's only him. I'm only holding his place for him. I've been crucified. But what I'm, I'm afraid I'm seeing in our culture is the result of what I would call a weakened gospel. I'm hearing people say, come to Jesus like you are and find yourself. And just, just be the best you you can be. And that's, that's not what he says. Come to Jesus and stay the way you are. You see, if the gospel we're preaching is just find your happy, or you need to work harder, or you need to try harder. Do you realize what we're doing there? We're not preaching the gospel. We're preaching a gospel that is trying to make God like us instead of us like Christ. Because if we're trying to do it, and we can do it, what do we need a cross for? It's all about self-help and be the best I can be. That is a weakened gospel. Jesus comes along and says, come as you are. I want you just the way you are, but come and let me transform you. Don't stay the same way you are. Be changed. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's as if he's looking at these guys and said, hey, if you're looking for comfy Christ, (laughs) that ain't me. All right. If you're not willing to do this, if you're not willing to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, you're in the wrong room. That's not what we do here. I love, there's one verse that just jumped off the page at me this week. And I I guess it's always been there, but I just didn't see it in verse 33. Jesus reprimands Peter and says, you're looking at things through a human point of view. 
Now, that's really interesting to me because Peter is kind of reprimanding Jesus. He's saying, hey, don't talk about death. and Don't talk about all those bad things happen to you. We don't want that because you're the Messiah. You're the good guy. We want good Messiah. Doesn't everybody want good Messiah? We want Messiah to be good for us. We want, yeah, God, you do it this way and you fix my life this way. And, and you don't need to talk about the bad stuff. We want good Messiah. But that's not what we need. We need a Messiah that changes things. We need a Messiah that radically affects us so that we are no longer me-centric, but we are him-centric. And if we will do that, it will change how we act. Stormy Lamartian had this quote, really great thing. You're either becoming more like Christ every day or you're becoming less like him. There is no neutral. That's pretty challenging, friends. Jesus is showing a clear choice of two options. Win or lose. Live or die. There is no bell curve here. There is, there is no, you, you do the best you can and he'll do the rest. No, he's calling for radical life change. He's calling for a reprioritizing. The aim is not simply to be the best you be you can be, but to belong to him. I've said this before, but... I'm afraid too many of us have an agenda and then we try to rub a little Jesus on it to make it all holy. And it comes from a conversation I had with a woman about five years ago. She sat on my couch and, and she said, yeah, but God is with me. Oh, just God is with me. Yet I knew what was going on in her life and she just shared a lot in her life. And she wasn't living godly. She wasn't going to church. She wasn't reading her Bible. She wasn't acting in any godly way. But she kept saying, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. And I, I stopped her and said, yeah, but are you with God? I mean, that's, that's really, a lot of us want to add God to our life. And he's saying, I don't want that. I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and you follow me. When you're driving, are you with him? When you're working, are you with him is he leading the the way you see our enemy is trying to steal our identity our identity individually and our identity identity collectively he's trying to make it about us get a comfy church get a church that you like that does what you want that speaks the way you speak and, and, and has the politics that you have and does the songs that you like and does the preaching the style you like because, you know, you need to find a place that you're in charge. You hearing me? <laughs> you're king, not him. Jesus says, hey, uh, this church business, that's my plan. Jesus was plan A and the church was plan A. That's it's how it always has been. There was never a plan B. He always intended, he gave this to us to go share his good news. In Matthew 22, a guy comes up to him and says, Well, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Now, we know this. He says, Love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. We call them here at Central L1 and L2. Love God, love others. He comes back in Matthew 28, and he's getting, it's after the crucifixion, and he gives the great commission. He commissions us. I love it. It's the great co-mission we are on mission with him he says you go into all this world and you make disciples you teach them to follow me you baptize them you do this but you teach them about me and and the results of doing that of loving god and loving others and making disciples is that his glory shines in portales his glory shines in this building his glory shines throughout our our com community it flourishes we don't need more charismatic churches and celebrity leaders. We need people that love God, that love others, and look like Jesus. God has always wanted us to be transformed together. That's the whole purpose of churches, to come together, to be changed. Yes, we laugh. Yes, we sing. Sometimes we cry. True? Sometimes we hang on to each other when they're hurting. Sometimes we laugh ourselves silly, and we like that. That's what the whole purpose of it is, to be transformed. But friends, we will not be transformed through desire. We'll only be transformed through practices. 
Just because you want it doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. There are a lot of people that want to lose weight, true? There's a lot of people that want to get in shape and be physically fit, true? Okay. The desire to do that, not really going to do much. It's only the action of doing that. Let me see if I can try to make it in this illustration that I totally made up for this point. Uh, absolutely 100% true that I made up. Uh, let's say I want to get in shape and I'm going to go to the gym. This is the part where you would laugh. Because we all know that ain't happening, all right? But just for argument's sake, I go buy me a gym membership, right? I go to the gym. I, well, actually, before I go to the gym, I go find me some nice workout clothes, some cool shoes. You know, I get all the part, right? And I go in, and I high-five a couple of people. I look at a couple of the machines, and I go to the back where the steam room is. I get in there, and I get in the steam room, crank that baby up. and I get in there about 40, 45 minutes, get a good sweat going, right? That come out, wow, man. And I go over and I high-five a couple of people and I start to walk out and I'm just sweating all of it. And somebody says, man, he got a good workout today. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that a, a, you know, a good sweat is not illegitimate. I mean, that's good. I mean, you get some toxins out. That, I think those are great. But is that a workout? No. I'm afraid some people approach church that way. I'm going to go in... I'm going to sing a few songs. I'm going to look the part. But I did nothing to change my behavior. See, my desire to grow in an area doesn't mean anything unless I'm willing to practice what is true. Unless I'm willing to make a change. The Spanish poet Mikado once said, The way is made by walking. We walk with Him daily. That's what we casually say, how's your walk with the Lord? We don't say, how's your run with the Lord? How's your drive with the Lord? We don't say that. It doesn't make any sense. How's your walk with the Lord? It's steady. It's consistent. It's, it's behavioral. Friends, you can desire to be a better Christian. You can desire to have a stronger marriage. You can desire to be a godly parent. But if there's no discipline to act... Actions are formed in practices, in walking with Him. We talk about the spiritual disciplines, Bible study and prayer and worship and tithing and fasting and and things like that that are getting us in the habit. Those don't save you. Those get me in the habit of being in His presence. If I want to desire to be in His presence, I've got to be in the practice of denying myself. That's what He said. This church is going to look different. You're going to deny yourself. And then he says, another one, he says, you're going to take up your cross. You see, to the, to the crowd, we're again, we're in Caesarea Philippi, a Roman crowd. This is a very visual word. It's a very visceral word. Because the cross was an, a, a thing of execution. And what they typically did, they did to Jesus. The offender had to carry it. Which was really weird. That's one of the reasons Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. is because it was really only supposed to be for violent offenders. If people really did bad, really things. And he kept saying, there's nothing he did that that's, that's that bad. You know? And that's why he washed his hands of the whole thing. But the, because to the Romans, the cross was multi-level. It was, it was as if I was going to say, hey, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to make you carry this thing I'm going to kill you on. I'm going to tack you to that thing I'm going to kill you on, and I'm going to kill you, all right? You're going to get killed. Is that, the, the Roman way was to show I have complete control over you. I am in charge. I have power over you. I'm afraid we toss around that phrase too lightly. Well, it's just the cross I have to bear. Anybody heard anybody say that? Just the cross I have to bear. Friends, the cross you have to bear is not your allergies. The cross you have to bear is not your noisy neighbors or your in-laws. The cross you have to bear is not the weather or your politics or somebody else's politics. Those are thorns. Hear me? Paul said he had a thorn in his side. He was really vague about it. He didn't explain what it was. Those are annoyances. Jesus is saying, I want you to die. I want you to die to yourself. The Christ we need points us to the cross. 
He's saying, look, friends, this is not about comfy. This is hard. This life of choosing Jesus is hard. Peter says it in 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. The cross has always been a torture device. He wants us to understand pain is real. There is challenge in following Jesus. It's not casual. It's not comfy. But our enemy wants us to focus on comfy, not cross-bearing. A lot of people want a Savior. You're drowning on the ocean. Everybody wants a Savior, right? Hey, save me. I don't really care what your skin color is, your politics. I don't care anything about that. Just save me. But do you want a Messiah? Someone that will come in and be Lord. A lot of people don't really understand that. They don't understand what he's asking. Do you really want a Messiah? Do you want somebody that will save you? Many were looking for a political Messiah. They were, the, they were subject to Roman rule at that time. The Romans did everything. They're supposed to be the chosen people. They didn't feel too chosen, you hearing me? They felt really abused. They felt really picked on. They were beaten. They were threatened all the time. They wanted out. Many people look at our political system and try to find a, that is hope. That is going to save us getting everything politically like we want. Folks, it's not going to do it. You can be a Jesus follower in countries that, doesn't have, that don't have freedom. We have a lot of people that are growing in those countries. We don't need to focus on that. Some people are looking for a political... Sometimes, some people are looking for a financial Messiah. These guys were physically oppressed. They dealt with Roman taxes. Some estimates said they, they could have paid up to 60% of their income in taxes. Think about that. Now, we whine on April 15th, don't we? But, I mean, 60%? Holy moly. You, you can't even bring home your own money. We're broke. Somebody set us free from this. Many are going to look to financial. They're going to look to money to be their Messiah. Well, if I get enough, then I'll be happy. I'll be comfortable. I won't worry anymore. If I got enough in my retirement, I got enough, I, you know, I can... You hearing me? And some, te- some people will even drag that over into their religious activities and add it to, well, if I get enough or I put enough in, then I'll be okay and I'll get to heaven. And some people still see Jesus as a good guy. That's what we need. We need a good person religion. Because really, that's all it's about, isn't it, Don? It's just be a good person. That's, I mean, come on. There's a lot of bad people out there. We're a good person. That's, that's about good enough, isn't it? Do we want a Messiah? See, as everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Until we start talking about lordship. And, and, then, it gets, and then it gets hard. You see, what Jesus is really asking in this whole process is, do you trust me? In view of all these other gods around here in Caesarea Philippi, do you trust that I'm really that guy? Do you trust my words? You know what? He's saying the same thing to you this morning. Do you trust what I'm telling you? Faith is not about how many times did you go to church. Faith is not about how many good things did you do. Faith is about changing me, looking inside me, and doing what D.A. said, all. Not some, all. I'm giving you everything, God. Because faith that doesn't change me. It's just happy thoughts. It's just a TED Talk. All right, let's all meet on Sunday. We'll have another TED Talk, and we'll just go on about our life. You hearing me? Because that's how some people want. And our enemy is trying to steal our identity. Saying, do you trust his words? Is God's word number one in your life? Or is your word number one and God's kind of comes in every once in a while? You see, there's a difference there. Does it have priority? You see, how we answer that question. That's what Jesus asked Peter. What's first? Our enemy wants to get our eyes off of the cross. He wants us to get it all on us. Make it about us. Make it comfortable. But Jesus wants people that are really ready to die to self. 
had a lady come after first service and said, so what does it mean? What, what is my cross? I think it's, it's putting my desires on the altar. I have a plan for the week. I have an agenda. I have all of my plans. I'm going to do this and God bless all my activities. And I said, in my life, it's, all right, God, point me where you want me to be. Lead me to the people that you need me to see. Lead me where you want me to go. You see, when we know who we are, we're going to know what to do. The identity of the church has always been in that cross. And we need to carry it daily. The enemy wants you to focus on comfort. Find ways to make it comfortable. But Jesus wants us focused on the cross. Because friends, the cross, that is our identity. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may you lead us to that cross. May we find strength and wisdom in that cross. May you give us strength to deny ourselves and take up that cross today and every day. Rid us of ourselves. Because we belong to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.